Money FM 89.3. Best of Breakfast. Why it matters on Money FM 89.3. You're listening to Money FM 89.3 with Adrian Abraham and Lin Li Fu. Of course, it is time for Why It Matters. Global energy markets are at a crossroads. Faced with one of the biggest energy supply crises in decades, climate change is now a code red for humanity. Conversations around energy transition are definitely ramping up, Lin. That's right, Adrian. Companies and governments alike are looking for ways to power up the energy transition and move towards a more sustainable future. In fact, a recent report by Bloomberg NEF revealed that global low-carbon energy technology investment has surpassed $1 trillion for the first time, highlighting the growing demand and investment in clean energy solutions. Well, to tell us more about the matter, we have on the line Toma Bodlo, CEO Energy Solutions, APAC and Country Head Southeast Asia, NG Southeast Asia. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Toma, NG Southeast Asia is a leader for net zero solutions and clean energy. Tell us more about the global energy crisis. You know, we have uh, shortages and increased prices in oil, gas, and electricity markets. Of course, there's the Ukraine-Russia war as well that has also significantly contributed to this. What are some of the biggest challenges the industry is facing now? You perfectly summed it up. We exited COVID with a few bad surprises on the energy front. First of all, a crisis on the supply chain, which showed a lot of disruption as the economies restarted. But it was doubled down by um, the situation in Europe with Ukraine war. And that led to a very high level of volatility and high prices, uh, which frankly, all of our clients are struggling on. And Southeast Asia is no exception. Today we are facing a lot of our clients asking us for ways to get them access to a more reliable and and a more cheaper source of energy. In face of that, obviously, we're all conscious that climate change threat is getting closer and closer. And while things could look a bit antagonist, my main message today for your listeners would be that the real silver lining we are facing today is that for our clients, engaging into their energy transition is a perfect way to help them hedge the energy crisis we are facing today. I will give you a couple of, uh, of examples. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we work with uh, industry players to, to help them reduce their carbon footprint, it means generally two things. First, we help them reduce their energy need. There is no cheaper energy than the one you, you don't consume. And that in a way, when you manage to produce your air conditioning, your steam, your compressed air to run your facility using less energy, you're helping your CO2 footprint print, but you're also reducing your exposure to the energy market and working actively on reducing your uh, impact on the the bottom line for energy uh, utility. Uh, The second aspect we're looking at very often is to help our client get access to green energy. And uh, one of the very efficient ways to do that is to produce on the premises of our clients, on their rooftop or available land, if there are any, uh, energy from solar systems. Solar systems today, they help produce an electricity that that can be 50% or even more cheaper than what you can get access to the grid. So you see, by working both on the energy you use and by consuming more green energy, 
There is a way you can actively engage into your energy transition and hedge against the, the energy crisis effect that we are all going through. Tom, I want to bring the conversation back home here in Singapore. You know, it's moved towards the goal of sourcing renewable power abroad by inking agreements with Indonesia and Cambodia recently. How can energy collaborations across borders help to realize our region's potential for collective decarbonization? It's absolutely essential for Singapore. Singapore has set itself a, a very ambitious goal of being carbon neutral by 2050. And due to the constraints of the country with limited available space, you know, it's very important that we work toward a higher level of integration at grid level between ASEAN member states. And this is exactly what the announcement you're referring to are going towards. So I think it's a very good news and it's a very good move forward. But further than that, as those projects will take 10 to 15 year to mature, I think there are a lot of things we can action in the short term uh, to accelerate our fight against climate change and accelerate the energy transition in Singapore. The country has taken very, very active steps uh, in decarbonizing the, the mobility sector. You know that we're in the midst of deploying EV charging infrastructure all across the island. NG is working on this with uh, ComfortDelGro as a partner so that mm -hmm. in a short time frame, any HDB car park would have a charging point, thus enabling really people to switch from high CO2 emitting vehicles to uh, electric vehicles. Further than that, Singapore has actively entered into the deployment of solar at scale all across the island. So wherever there is a space available, we are collectively with the country trying to deploy solar system. Those systems, they make a lot of sense huh, because they are the cheapest way to produce energy today. So it's very relevant. And by 2030, the target is to reach collectively up to two gigawatts of installed solar capacity. That's, a, that's an investment of roughly two billion US to make this a possibility. And last but not least, I would like to stress out that Singapore is at the forefront of setting new regulation and norms for buildings, for industries, so that they really move towards consuming as little energy as possible. And as I was referring to in my introduction, there is really no cheapest energy mm -hmm. than the one you don't consume and it's energy efficiency in general and acting on the, on the demand and the usage of energy is really the perfect way to save on energy cost and to engage into one's energy transition. Tamar, you work with many clients I would imagine in Southeast Asia. Can you share more insights on the role of governments and businesses in this energy transition and how they can work together to create a more sustainable future? We're collectively facing a, a daunting task with climate change. By 2050, we almost move very actively towards a carbon neutral way of running our businesses and our lives. What it means is we have 20 plus years to completely redesign our, our energy systems and the way we use energy. So the important role that the government and businesses can play today is to really accelerate and engage into the deployment of solutions at scale. From a government perspective, I touched on what Singapore is already doing. There is a 2030 plan. It's very well organized. It's very well set with clear milestones that promote adoption of EV, deployment of solar system, and more energy efficient building. I think this should be a source of inspiration for all the countries of the region. It's really uh, working and triggering a lot of work. From a corporate perspective, what is really crucial is that, again, our industries, our data centers, our tertiary building engage into 
into the deployment of solutions today to produce locally on site their green energy to reduce their energy consumption because it makes sense from an economic standpoint and obviously it's a must from a sustainability and a fight against climate change standpoint. Yeah, global energy-related carbon dioxide emissions rose by under 1% last year. That was much less than initially feared. What are some of the leading driving factors behind this and to really cut down on these emissions? We all need to curve collectively the global emission of CO2 within the next couple of years if we want to have a chance to meet our uh, targets taken at the Paris Accord, which could set us in a 1.5 degree heating scenario against uh, pre-industrial levels. It's, it's absolutely crucial that we try to meet this target because regions such as Southeast Asia would be amongst the most hit uh, by climate change. Uh, rising sea would hit very much countries like Indonesia or Philippines, for example, it could trigger a massive displacement of population. So it's really crucial that, that we all act together. The recent news about the raise in, in terms of CO2 is a good news, uh, but we need again to accelerate collectively into deploying more solutions that help people get access to green energy and consume less energy. I will maybe give some more examples on what this entails. I already touched base on what we do as NG in Singapore when it comes to green mobility. Closer to Singapore hearts, I think what we're doing in the in the Pungol Digital District exemplifies very well the type of infrastructure and mindset you have to uh, put in place if we want to collectively uh, slash our CO2 emission. Pungol Digital District is one of a landmark development that, that's going to take place in Singapore in the, in the coming years. A very, very ambitious urban area uh, development. And one aspect which is critical in Southeast Asia is how to cool very efficiently our cities. Cooling represents a big ticket when it comes to energy consumption. And we are working precisely with uh, JTC, which is the developer of this digital district, in deploying an infrastructure that would be underground, that would be helping produce air conditioning in a very, very efficient way and distribute it to the whole urban area as if it was an, an electricity um, grid. So by having an infra type of approach, we can really help cool the cities of Southeast Asia, in particular of Singapore. And again, the impacts are quite, uh, quite substantial. We're talking about 30% reduction on energy consumption versus a normal setup where each building will, will cool their uh, own premises. And concretely, for, for our listeners, that means the equivalent of planting almost 100,000 trees across the, the region. So that, that's quite massive. Think about deploying that type of solution in a really systemic way, both in Singapore and in other countries of Southeast Asia. The impact can be really, really meaningful. This is the type of thought process we need if we want to curve our CO2 emission collectively. Thank you very much for speaking with us this morning. We've been speaking to Thomas Borlo, CEO Energy Solutions APAC and Country Head Southeast Asia of NG Southeast Asia. Thank you very much. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.